Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of AdMail. This is Adam Bergman, founder and CEO of IRA Financial. I'm here to help you find the answers to the most frequently asked questions from my clients about self-directed retirement accounts. If you want to learn more, you can subscribe to our YouTube channel and follow us on social media. Just search IRA Financial. Hey everyone, Adam Bergman here, tax attorney, founder of IRA Financial. On today's ad mail, I'm going to talk about three really good questions that I received from email, YouTube, and Twitter. So I've got a wide variety of sources here, and uh, I think you guys will enjoy it. Hopefully learn a little bit about different topics in the self-directed retirement world. So let's uh, get this uh, show on the road. First question is from Lenny S. It's from email. And this is a good question. I wanted to bring it out. It's a simple answer, but I actually get this question quite often. So I just wanted to address it. So Lenny wants to know, I have a Roth IRA. Can I convert it to an after-tax IRA? So a lot of people get confused difference between an after-tax IRA and a Roth IRA. Okay. Let me give you an analogy. A Roth IRA is like the Ferrari And the after-tax IRA is like the Yugo. You don't want to be in the after-tax IRA world. Why? Because it's kind of no man's land. Yes, the contributions you can always pull out because they're after-tax, but the earnings are always subject to tax like a pre-tax IRA. So you don't get much value or advantage. Whereas a Roth IRA, once you convert or go Roth, you're stuck. You can't go back based off some new rules. So Roth IRA is way better. Like I said, it's a Ferrari because once you're over 59 and a half and the Roth's been open at least five years, you can pull all the money out tax-free. Never have to worry about any tax ramifications. So obviously that's clearly way better than an after-tax IRA where you have to pay tax on the earnings and potential even a 10% early distribution penalty if you're under 59 and a half. So you know, Lenny, it's a good question. A lot of people get confused and think an after-tax a Roth IRA. No, an after-tax kind of no man's land. You don't get the tax deduction like a pre-tax IRA, but you still have to pay tax on the earnings like a pre-tax IRA, and you don't get the benefits of tax-free growth like a Roth. So um, good question, Lenny. I hope this makes sense. Next question from YouTube. Uh, this person wants to know, IRA Financial, I read through your entire website. Well, thank you. And what is not clear is when one needs to pay $1,000 set up a checkbook Roth and when is necessary and all all to pay the $300 fee for cryptos. So this is a simple answer. And and thank you for the question. And yeah, I guess we need to be a little bit more clear on the website. But if you want to buy regular cryptos that are available on Gemini Exchange, which is one of the leading exchanges based out of New York, regulated, trust company, you should use the $300 custodian controlled method. And that's the solution we developed. It took me a few years to work with Gemini and and get the solution launched, but it's the quickest, easiest, safest, and most cost-efficient way in the whole market if you want to buy cryptos in an IRA. Okay, you don't need an LLC. You don't need a broker. You don't need any of the wasted money uh, that you would pay to some other companies to basically hold your cryptos and control it where you have no power. So here, it's $300 to us, IRA Financial. We get that fee for custody in your IRA. Gemini custodies your cryptos, which is the way it should be. You control the account on the Gemini platform. You trade 
Bitcoin, Ethereum, Litecoin, Chain, whatever you want, whenever you want, not when the broker does it. You execute on Gemini. You control the keys if you want to move it off the exchange. It really is the best solution. I'm super proud of it. Um, we should open 10,000 accounts a month. We're not because cryptos are still you know, not as popular in the retirement world, but it is the best solution, again, and the most cost effective. The only time you're going to need to pay that $9.99 setup for the checkbook is if you want to do altcoins that aren't available on Gemini, uh, like Polkadot. I'm a big Polkadot fan. Um, you can't get it on uh, Gemini or even Coinbase. You got to go to a different exchange. So altcoins like that, you're going to need the LLC and then link the LLC with the exchange account and then move the funds that way. Um, the good news is Gemini is supposedly onboarding uh, Polkadot in the coming year. And every uh, quarter it's able to onboard more altcoins. But if you're looking for the basics like Bitcoin, Ethereum, Litecoin, Chain, like the major cryptos, Gemini is a great place. Um, I've been using them for years. Uh, insured, regulated, again, one of probably the second largest exchange in the U.S. other than Coinbase. So um, I'm really proud of the solution, worked really hard on it. I think it's the best out there and no need to spend a thousand bucks or use a broker. You can handle everything on your own, on the exchange, through your phone. I actually just set one up for my wife uh, and kids because my kids actually have a Roth IRA and you know it's so easy you just go on your phone you can check your account you can buy sell and if you want you will even uh you can pull the cryptos off the exchange into a cold wallet so um it's really uh, a super easy process and and super inexpensive third question is from twitter and this person wants to know can you can please confirm that i can use seller financing to buy real estate in a self-directed ira so yeah as long as the seller is not related to you, it's not a lineal descendant, not a parent, child, spouse, daughter-in-law, son-in-law, or any entity you control, then yeah, you can take seller financing to do a real estate deal. Now, the one thing to keep in mind is if, for example, the property's 300 grand, you only have 150, you give the seller 150 and he finances or she finances the rest of the 150, that's going to potentially trigger UBIT, UBTI, unrelated business taxable income, because number one, the debt has to be non-recourse. So you have to tell the seller, hey, if I don't pay, your only recourse is you can take the property back. I can't personally guarantee it because that would trigger the prohibited transaction rules. Number two, once you can get a non-recourse loan from the seller, the other thing is you need to remember that the financing has to be, besides non-recourse, it could trigger the UBIT tax. So just need to do those calculations, right? Because if you have more than a thousand dollars of net income after expenses like loan payments, depreciation, other expenses, there's more than a thousand dollars in net income, potentially can pay up to 37% in tax on the debt finance portion of the property. Hence, for example, uh, my old example, you put 150 cash in, borrow 150 from the seller, it's 300 total, 50-50 debt to equity ratio. Let's just say, let's assume you have $5,000 of net net rental income profit after paying debt, uh, depreciation, allocation, and expenses, you uh, would potentially pay up to 37% tax on the um, debt finance portion. So that's one thing to keep in mind. But if you need to get that deal done, what some clients do is they basically will make the loan payments 
essentially equal out the cash. So they'll be under the $1,000 of net net income, keeping it below the UBTI threshold and paying off the loan quicker. Now, one other caveat, a lot of people say, well, I'll just use a solo 401k because there's a UBTI exemption. That is correct. However, under 514C9, there's also an exclusion that if you use seller financing, it doesn't count. You don't get the UBTI exemption for a solo 401k if they're seller financing. If you finance it through a third party, you can get it, the exemption from UBTI if you use a solo 401k. But if it's seller financing, that exemption doesn't apply. Don't ask me why, makes no sense to me, but it's in the code. So to sum up, if you use an IRA or 401k to do seller financing, number one, make sure it's non-recourse. Number two, beware of UBTI. Make sure you do the calculations. Make sure that it makes economic sense. And then you should also think about potentially increasing your debt payments on the early years to equal out your expenses and income. So the net net amount is you'll have less than $1,000 of net profit. So you won't have any UBTI tax and you'll also be able to pay off the debt quicker, which is obviously to your advantage. So thank you, um, Lenny, YouTube, Twitter. Um, you all, everyone can send in questions. I will answer any question. You can be a client. You don't have to be a client. Uh, try to challenge me. I'm up for the challenge. Um, and I, you know, I look forward to getting some really good questions. Uh, and I'll tell you what I always say, what we, what I learned my first week in law school. There's never a dumb question. So even if you think it's a stupid question and you're embarrassed, don't put your name. I don't care. Uh, it's probably not dumb because if you have that question, I assume, and you can assume that probably hundreds behind you have the same one. So you can email us at info diary financial. You can hit us up on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, on YouTube. You can check out the IRA financial channel, subscribe. We drop four to five videos a week and three podcasts, including this Adam talks and ad bits three really good podcasts. And uh, I try to keep the content fresh. It's generally focused on self-directed retirement topics, taxation and investments. So I think you, you would really uh, enjoy it. So feel free to check it out um, at your convenience. Otherwise, stay safe, stay healthy. Thank you for listening. Thanks for watching if you're doing so on YouTube. And I will talk to everyone again next week. Thank you.